This time on Guided. I think I'm going to get featured on your show a lot more. I think you are. <laughs> I just want everyone to know that I'm really sexy and wonderful. Oh my god. And if this bit goes in, you should just know that I'm a genius. <laughs> She's had one glass of wine. <laughs> Literally one. Like. Welcome to Guided, a podcast all about following your intuition no matter where it guides you. Hey everyone, this is your host, Zach Luz, and welcome to Guided, a podcast all about following your intuition no matter where it guides you. If you're new here, welcome. So happy to have you. Um, been noticing that uh, we've been getting a lot more views lately, so that's probably because our current listeners have been sharing the podcast. So thank you so much. Uh, we're not using like any advertising or anything to blow this up, but it's just from you guys sharing it through word of mouth. So thank you so much. I uh, really appreciate that. I also took a look at the statistics on the podcast to see where the big spike in views came from. And the one place that I noticed, it was on Anchor. So I just wanted to say thanks to anybody that's on the Anchor team, because I feel like a lot of the times on other podcast launches, the only way to get there is if you have like 50 of your friends that give you a five-star rating as soon as you launch the podcast and, you know, you're doing joint ventures with people that already have a big following and like that's the only way to make a new podcast successful. So at Anchor, it seems like they're doing things different and, uh, really just going with content that it seems like people are liking and I can I just know that they're helping in some way so if anybody from Anchor is listening thank you guys as well all right so today's podcast is going to be all about self-worth but first let's get into the synchronicity update synchronicity updates are the part of the show where I discuss synchronicities that are happening in real time that are encouraging me to keep moving forward on this uncertain path and follow my intuition even stronger. So here's the first synchronicity that showed up. Um, I was, I don't know why, but I knew that podcast number eight had to be the one on self-worth. And for a while I was just stumped on it. I didn't know what to include in that. And it's funny because I'm like, I'm not worthy of talking about self-worth. So then I was talking with Camille about it. We were sitting at home, just on the couch, and I start bouncing ideas off of her, and then she's bouncing them back to me, as we normally do, but it just wasn't clicking. And then, uh, wisely, she suggested, she's like, dude, why don't you just ask for guidance on it? So then I was like, oh, that's a, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> And then I uh, closed my eyes, I got into a meditative state, and then I just listened and watched and waited for something to pop in. And then what came into my head was this scene from Finding Nemo. So I will admit, it's been quite a while since I've seen Finding Nemo, but there's this one scene where Nemo's dad, the orange fish, and Dory, the blue fish, they're in, inside the belly of the whale. And that's like a Joseph Campbell reference. Um, it's actually pretty pretty beautifully done. But anyway, the scene there, it's like the perfect frame for this whole conversation around self-worth. 
So that's the first synchronicity of me not really knowing what I was going to do, but knowing that number eight was going to be about self-worth, and then literally not making this more complicated than it needs to be, just simply sitting down and asking for guidance and then having that uh, pop up as the perfect frame. So the next synchronistic update is about water. So Dr. Masaru Emoto, he had this uh, rice experiment that he did with water and rice, where he basically had three beakers, and then he believed that our consciousness could affect the molecular composition of water. So what he did was he had the three beakers, he treated one beaker like shit, he ignored another beaker, and then he gave compliments and kindness to the the last beaker of rice and water. And then he did that for a couple of weeks, every single day, and then he checked the results afterwards, and what do you know? The one that he treated like shit was like all black mold, the one that he ignored, it was just like even worse. But the one that he gave compliments to, it was like had this nice fermentation, like this pleasant aroma is what they say in the in the book. But you can see like the picture of them and it looks completely different. So what's been really interesting is Camille and I use that as inspiration to um, we do the same kind of thing with our own water. Like it's pretty weird, but I'm pretty weird. So <laughs> fair game. We, we get the big bottled water from the store, and I, like, when we come home, first I'll meditate on it, and I'll do, like, some, like, energy work on it, and then what we do is we label our water. So we've labeled our water self-love for a long time, and the, the I don't know, maybe it was about a week ago, I, I decided to, that I wanted to stop calling it self-love, and then I wanted to start putting self-worth so kind of interesting, as I start drinking the self-worth water, then all of a sudden I start getting more and more content about what are we going to put on episode 8 about self-worth. So that's the next synchronistic update. So the next synchronicity is I've been getting in a lot of arguments about self-worth lately. One example of that was I got in an argue with, argument with my friend because they were basically asserting that they had like supreme self-worth to the point where they could control like literally everything that was going on it's like that they were a reincarnation of one of the ascended masters like i'm talking like buddha's level or um like merlin's level and they're just like oh yeah i can just control everything and we got into like a big argument about self-worth there which actually was really really important to me because it it got me to kind of stretch and then realize the ways in which I had been stepping away from my own self-worth and, like, diminishing that. And then I've also been getting into arguments about, like, the other side of things where it's, like, I, I'm taking, like, too little self-worth in the world. And it's been interesting because, like, every single time that uh, I would get into conversations and someone would, like, start saying, oh, yeah, they'd start agreeing with me, like, oh, yeah, you are, like, you you know, you're really not that big a deal, you know, you shouldn't think that you're going to be special or successful, I would just, like, snap back super fast and be like, uh, do you know who you're fucking talking to? <laughs> In my typical Leo fashion. But, uh, yeah, it's just basically been totally up for me. And the uh, last synchronistic update came from one of our listeners, which is going to kind of set the whole frame for what we're going to talk about today. So, let's get to that. 
Hey, Zach, I just finished reading the article you're featured in on SD Voyager. I wanted to talk about something you said in the beginning where you're talking about they, you know, say describe yourself or whatever. And you were talking about your past reflecting about like, you know, where you came from, where you're going, all that good stuff. And you said, like many of us, I was chasing external validation and was collecting as many ego driven accomplishments as I could rack up. The passport full of stamps, the magazine with her sunglasses featured on some celebrity's face, the jaw-dropping ayahuasca story that would scare my normal friends and make my conscious friends jealous. And I certainly felt that energy. I think there's so many ego-driven accomplishments that entrepreneurs do, especially in like, you know, a lot of our mutual friends when they post in the online space are posting about these like ego-driven accomplishments and I feel like it's so impure and I felt like when I entered the entrepreneur space last year I thought like these are this is what I have to do to be successful like I have to make these posts pictures of myself with like you know updates like and I think it's contributing to this um discourse like that this is how entrepreneurship is and it's like very ego-driven and it felt gross and wrong and and which is why I stepped away from my online presence my personal and business online presence is like pretty much not there at all because it felt really wrong and I think that you've been able you're one of the only entrepreneurs I think there's maybe one person for sure Jolie Dawn I think is very good at like posting with pure intentions and like with love and light in her words of like wanting to help others she's really good at it too I, I get really good energy when I like listen to her and read her posts and things which is why I think she's been so wildly successful um and you're the only other one and you don't post as often you're posting a bit more but I think you probably can relate to how I was feeling last year and I think a lot of other entrepreneurs currently feel that way but don't really know how to overcome it and I would be really interested in learning how you did that um I think your podcast I've been wanting to try to um articulate how I feel about your podcast and why I really like it and I feel like it's because you like in the very beginning you discussed like how you were resistant to it and how you know you got signs from your guides and from the universe that this is what you're intended to do and I really think it is so that you can show others how to have uh, entrepreneurial online space that has pure intentions um, you stated that you wanted it to be as sort of like a diary for yourself so you could reflect uh, maybe in hopes of inspiring others to have their own journey of self-discovery and reestablish their connection and communication with the universe through synchronicities in their own lives and I think that is really beautiful and I can really feel your intentions are pure online and I would love to learn how you overcame that obstacle because I see so many of our mutual friends that are great amazing people I know they want to help others I know that they're just like they're really great and amazing but to be honest I would probably never ever ever buy anything from any of them because I see this like impurity in what they're they're posting and like there's this I think like they think there's this marketing behind it or something but it just feels wrong and I think everybody would benefit from learning how to have a better online presence that dismantles the ego a little bit. Um, I know I struggle with it, which is why I've stepped away from the space completely so that I can just focus on healing myself and, you know, uh, so yeah, hopefully that made sense and hopefully <laughs> you're able to help and share some share some insight on how you're able to overcome that challenge because I know it's a tough one 
because I know everyone's really great and really means well, but it's hard to claim the space in a pure way. So would love to hear more about that. Hopefully there's something you could share with us and hope you're having a beautiful day. So to recap, Jenny's questions that she inserted in between like 50 million compliments to me, which thank you so much, Jenny, your sweetheart. Um, First question is, why do we chase ego-driven accomplishments? How did you get over feeling like, well, that's what I have to do, like posting ego-driven accomplishments in order to be successful? How come I get good energy from people like you or Jolie Dawn and purity from others, and why does that feel wrong? Um, How do we overcome that and purify our own intentions? And then are you doing all this to inspire others? So when I started getting ready to talk about self-worth as a concept, I figured it'd be a good idea for me to research and see if there's anything that like any other spiritual teachers have for me that might be good to include on this. And the first place I went was to Bashar. So Bashar is a channel that's, uh, that comes through this guy named Daryl Anka. So he basically just goes up on a stage and then he meditates and then this being or whatever speaks through him. It's like he becomes the phone and then the channel speaks through him. Which I know it's pretty out there, but I'm pretty out there. So, And this whole podcast is pretty out there, so you're probably pretty out there too. But anyway, uh, I was listening to Bashar talk about self-worth. So I was super excited because I found this video. I'm like, oh, there's going to be good stuff. He has something that's all about self-worth. So I press play on the video, and he starts off the video, and he goes, hello, and good day to you. And he goes, today we're going to talk about self-worth. Well, we were going to talk about self-worth, but I, I actually don't feel worthy enough to talk to you about it. And I could feel myself getting super let down. I was like, oh, man, I thought... Uh, man, I'm gonna go have to go have to look for other videos, and like Bashar, he's a total badass, and I I really like his stuff, and and then he starts playing along with us, and he starts going, oh, so that's what the deal is with self worth. He's like, it's so silly for us to question our self worth because inherently we have like all these different gifts inside of us that other people are waiting to receive, and questioning our self-worth all it does is just prevent other people from receiving the gifts that we are we all kind of want to give to each other freely and uh i think that was a that was a really cool way of of setting the stage for for this kind of conversation so at the core of it it feels like to me self-worth it comes around this idea of, of validation. And a lot of times where we get tripped up is when we start looking for external validation versus internal validation. That's like what Jenny was saying with me and the, the passport full of stamps. You know, the magazines with our sunglasses on some celebrity's face, the jaw-dropping ayahuasca story that would scare my normal friends and make my conscious friends jealous. All of those for me were attempts at getting external validation of my internal and my inherent self-worth. So one of Jenny's questions was, why do we create these ego-driven accomplishments? And I think she's right. It's like, we don't do this because we're bad people. It's like everyone, I believe everyone is inherently a good person. Like little babies or like little toddlers. Like You don't see too many like mean little toddlers. They're usually pretty adorable and wonderful little balls of light. And then that's this, that's always inside all of us. But anyway, um, 
I think the reason why we start creating ego-driven accomplishments, is, or at least the reason I did it, is because like of a belief. I mean, it's always a belief, but it's like my belief was like this is what I have to do in order to be successful. It's like I would see all the other you know coaches online, and then they would post a picture of themselves you know, uh, doing a handstand while they're in front of the pyramids, and then they post another handstand of themselves, you know, um, on the Great Wall of China, and then it's like, I I mean, I started doing that for a while, and you could see it kind of working, like people that had never spoken to me or never reached out to me, they start reaching out, and they're like, hey man, let's hang out, and you could see that they were, like, attracted to these accomplishments, but this is how we get tripped up in this is like we start taking our internal stuff and then we start placing it on stuff that uh, external. So for me, you know, I would do it so that I could gain authority in my community. I could gain popularity, status, and like I could feel special. Now, the reason that I needed all that stuff was because deep down, like I didn't inherently feel special. Like... I needed something outside of me so that I could point to it and go, see, I have the passport full of stamps. I'm special. See, I ha- I've done the ayahuasca thing. See, I'm, I'm, I'm super, um, I should be super well respected as far as this. It's like we were taking all these things and putting them outside of ourselves so that we would have proof. So it's like, I remember going through this. It's like at my mastermind first I would get around all my other business buddies and then I would humbly brag about like, oh, we just got featured in this magazine or, oh, you know, our patent just got approved. And then I could see everybody else like fawning and be like, oh, wow, Zach, that's so amazing. You're such a great entrepreneur. And I was like literally doing that because deep down there, my inherent specialness, like I didn't believe it. And, you know, if that the patent didn't work to get everyone excited, then I mean, I I remember I did like 30 days of freezing cold showers and I did this blog post and I talked about, you know, what what 30 days of cold showers taught me about life as a way of reaching for that specialness. You know, if that didn't work, then I would have the passport full of stamps or I'd start dating somebody sexy and I would just kind of keep doing this over and over and over again so that I could have like my specialness, my uniqueness, you know, the fact like I could have that validated because deep down I really want to be successful and my belief is like you have to be super special and super different in order to be successful. This leads us to Jenny's next question which is how did you get over feeling like that's what you have to do in order to be successful? A really good metaphor for this was like when I was in high school. Um, I remember there's like there was some like weird fashion trend going on and the cool thing to have was like this big like puffy jacket and yeah I know I made some questionable fashion choices back then but anyway I wanted this puffy jacket but I didn't know where to get it or like I couldn't afford the the main brand or whatever so like I got like this knockoff version and my version <laughs> wasn't exactly as uh, as cool as everybody else's it it was like it almost looked like it was like deflated and I remember I went to school one day and then my friends they just ripped me apart like as soon as I got there they knew that I was all trying to like have the jacket and then one of my friends goes like dude it looks like somebody got a bike pump and then deflated your jacket 
and it was pretty funny, like, if I look at it in retrospect, but at the time, it just, like, crushed me, and it just, like, totally killed my my desire for validation. It was, like, I felt so embarrassed of not having the jacket, and then I knew that all my friends knew that, I, like, I couldn't afford it, or I, I just didn't have one, or or that I got, like, the wrong one, or whatever. So then what I did was I was like, damn it, if only I had more money, then I could get the right brand. And then if I got the right brand, then they wouldn't be making fun of me. And if they weren't making fun of me, then maybe I could start feeling special. And we look back at this kind of metaphor, and it's like, it seems ridiculous. You just We just look at it, we go like, dude, you can't, you can't do that. You can't, like put your self-worth based on, like, fashion trends, like, you, like, name brands, like, they don't even matter, like, you, you, sh- you can't do that, but that's the thing, as we get older, we just kind of learn how to do this in more and more sly ways, it's like we keep playing into the game, it's like, instead of us pointing at each other's shoes and being like, oh, nice sketchers, like, it becomes this thing where it's like, uh, we go, oh, yeah, you know, I actually just went on my ayahuasca journey. It was a really profound transformational experience. You know, I spent a couple of days in Peru. Oh, you, you haven't gone on one yet? Oh, wow. And whenever whenever you feel the call and you can feel that courage to, to go on this adventure, like, it, it'll be really worth it. That's the same thing as saying, you got lame sketchers, dude, and you need to do ayahuasca just like me. It's the exact same thing. But, um... Yeah, we do this, and as soon as we catch ourselves doing this, uh, for me at least, I like tried to stomp it out, and I'm like, you know, screw validation, I don't need validation, I don't need anybody else to validate me, I'm just going to be weird, and, you know, I will, like, I don't need validation at all, but that's the thing, it's like, we really do, like, little kids, like, they should be told that they're special, and we're all just a bunch of little kids that have been here for a while, it's like, of course, we're all inherently special. And the temptation is to just like turn against this and be like, I don't need any validation. But the, the intended positive outcome behind this is like so that we can feel intrinsically special. And to me, that's like a totally worthwhile pursuit. Like we, we should feel intrinsically valuable. We f- should feel intrinsically special. And... It's not a thing where it's like we just shut ourselves off from it altogether, but it's a thing of where we start reclaiming that and we start becoming like the, we start becoming the cool people through our own definition. If I take it back to like the high school analogy, like the coolest people that I knew in high school, they were kind of the ones that set the trends. Um, and honestly, they didn't even care if other people like followed their trends. That was like even cooler. It's like whatever they had, that that intrinsically that that became the cool thing, not because of the thing, but because of like the energy that they had um, behind it, and that's what all of us. That's what I think we're all reaching for when it comes to like searching for this validation through the passport full of stamps or the cool ayahuasca story, or having you know the really really successful startup. It's like it all comes from this idea that we want to be successful and the way to be successful is by being special. So as long as we have that dynamic going, we have that belief that we basically have to do things 
to satisfy all of them so that we can feel special. Like, it's just kind of like this this endless loop, and then they keep changing the rules so that we never actually get to feel special. And then since we don't feel special, then we don't get successful based on, on that rule set, if, if, that's, if that matches your beliefs. But an example of this showing up, like a more tangible, physical, real-world example was when I had to do sales for my company. So I had one company that was a sandals company, where we sold like sorority branded sandals across the country. And my business partner was like really, really good at sales. And I sucked at it. I was like trying to like automate it. And I'm like, oh yeah, let's send them these like auto, like automatic uh, emails and then they'll all buy everything. And then people, it was funny, like we were, I was doing all the things and I was like showing our cool sandals and doing like a photo shoot and, um, we, I was like doing all the things that seemed like that's all it would take for um, people to buy, but they could just feel like the impurity in me. Like that's something that Jenny was talking about is like the, she's like, I know like all my, a lot of my friends are good people and they mean well, but I can feel like the impurity or like the over-marketing that they do. And then it's just like immediately get turned off. So when I was selling the sandals, like all the sorority girls, they could feel that I had never been in a fraternity and like that, that it so wasn't me and like, and I wasn't even connecting with them and like, they could just tell that I didn't get it. They could feel the impurity. And I mean, it was super embarrassing because we had like a couple employees and like, my employees sold like 150 pairs and I sold zero, zero, like not one. And it was, it just felt horrible. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I'm horrible at business and I'm a terrible salesperson and I should feel super embarrassed about this. But the funny thing was, um, uh, another friend of mine had a sunglasses company and the sunglasses company, they sold, um, for every pair of sunglasses sold, they would do one. Um, they would do one eye surgery that would cure blindness in somebody. So basically, every time someone bought a pair of sunglasses, somebody else with blindness got cured. And I sold the shit out of those. <laughs> it's like without even trying. Like in maybe like four or six weeks, I sold forty pairs to my friends, and. I was just like super passionate about it and that I would just be ranting about how awesome this was. And then people would just be like, uh, like, I, I think I want to buy a pair. Like I have like nine pairs of sunglasses, but uh, I think I want to buy one. And what they were really attracted to was like the purity, um, in, in what was coming through for me. So like this validation that we're chasing, we're not actually chasing the validation. It's like, we're chasing that sense of purity. And that's what I think I've been, been, well, my higher self's been helping me out a lot with that. But that's what I think we're all really going after. And that's what Jenny was recognizing in both me and Jolie Dawn was like that sense of purity. And this it's not like a higher than, like, oh, I'm I'm pure, I'm like a pure person and other people aren't, or whatever. It's like that purity exists within all of us. But a lot of times it gets like cluttered up with just all kinds of bullshit, and then it's, like, harder to see that, whether someone's, like, altering who they are consciously, and that's kind of muddling our view of their purity, or 
there's like some other subconscious stuff going on that's getting in the way of us being able to see them in the purity that they naturally are. So, um, the next question that Jenny asked was like, so Zach, how do we do that? Or how'd you do that? So the way I did it was through, um, I was getting purified through my dark night of the soul. So, um, the best definition that I found was on this uh, piece online. It said, A Shaman's Guide to the Dark Night of the Soul. And here's the excerpt. It says, If a dark night of the soul sounds like a scary thing, trust me that it is. It's basically a point when everything in your life has failed. <laughs> Hurts. All your schemes and plans have not worked out, and your life seems rather meaningless. You have entered into a phase of your spiritual development where you've been stripped of the false things you used to hold so dear. The alcohol doesn't work anymore. The mindless shows on TV fail to entertain you. Your friends seem more attached to materialistic and shallow pursuits that no longer interest you. You're in a spiritual crisis. So, if I kind of tap into the audience and just kind of like feel out where everyone is, there's like three kinds of clusters that it feels like. It feels like one part of the listeners are like super, super on the spiritual path, like pretty advanced as far as things go. Um, and they just think this is cool. So that's, that's awesome. The other two clusters uh, that it feels like is one is like their dark night of the soul is already starting to happen and they're like, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, what do I do? And then the other cluster, which it feels like is the majority of people, is like they're gearing up and it's like just about ready to start happening for them. Like they're starting to get like little signs that the dark night of the soul is, is coming. And that description I just read, like that sums it up. Like dark night of the soul, it's a motherfucker. Um, Camille, she... She did this painting of me. Um, it's like a portrait, and then it's a it's like in our bedroom right now, and uh, it says surrendering to majesty, and then it's got like all these purples and blues, and you can see my face, and you can just you can you can see like my smile like I can't even like smile wide. I'm like hiding all my teeth. It's like one of those smiles where you can tell someone's just like actually totally hurting on the inside. And then in my eyes, I don't know how she did this, but like, you know, like the white parts, the whites of your eyes, like mine are red, like almost as if I'm like rubbing my eyes from like crying a bunch. And it's like, I think it's amazing that she captured that whole thing in the, in the portrait, but like, that's exactly what it felt like. It's like this whole portrait, it's like, I just look blue and purple and just bruised by everything and there's like these like leaves behind me which are all kind of like it's it's like I'm disoriented and I'm getting like sucked into uh you know Alice in Wonderland you know, down the rabbit hole or whatever and I just get I'm just getting bruised the whole way down that's that's kind of what the dark night of the soul is <laughs> but that's that's where all the purity comes from so a lot of people will go, oh shit, that sucks that you're in your dark night of the soul. Sorry to hear that. But that's that's how we get that purity that Jenny and um, 
that Jenny was talking about, about with me and, and Jolie. It's like, through going through that process of stripping away all of, all, uh, stripping everything away down to like our core, where we lose everything and life feels meaningless, then we kind of have like this blank slate upon which we can rebuild. It's in many ways, it's kind of like a death. The, the one typical metaphor, I mean, it's super cliche, but it's like the, um, the caterpillar that turns into the butterfly. I mean, the caterpillar is just moving along. It's got all its little legs and it's just scurrying its way through life. And then what happens is it just, for some reason, it goes into the cocoon and then it's in the cocoon. And then what happens is its stomach acid gets like so intense in the cocoon that it literally eats itself alive and it turns itself into like a puddle of itself. It's just like completely just nothing, completely dark, has no idea what's going on, and it's just dealing with that. And then what happens is um, all of a sudden it feels like really, really tight inside of this cocoon, and then it starts moving its shoulders and then it's realizing what the hell are these things attached to the back of my shoulders and then it starts flapping and flapping and flapping and then the cocoon continues to resist and hold the butterfly inside of the cocoon until the butterfly is strong enough that it breaks out and then it cracks open and then it can see the light and then once it can see the light all it has to do is climb up out of there and then it's the butterfly and it's completely different. So that's kind of what's going on with this whole dark night of the soul business and how we start purifying so that our self-worth is based on um, who we are intrinsically, internally, rather than other things that we go attach ourselves to externally. And after we go through that process, people look at our metaphorical wings and then they go, you know what? There's something, there's something new about you. There's something I just... You seem different. Okay, so now that I've talked about what it's like for us to melt down into a puddle of our formal se former selves and feel like we're eating ourselves from the inside out, let's talk about Finding Nemo. So, in the movie with Nemo's dad and Dory, there's this scene where they go and then they're in... They basically like went out exploring in the world and then... Now, they're inside of the belly of the whale. And they're inside the belly of the whale. And Dory is just, like, just so at ease and, like, swimming along. And just, like, fucking stoked as she normally is. And then Nemo's dad is freaking out, having a panic attack. It's like, oh my god, no, I didn't think things could get any worse, but they just got worse. Now, we're in the freaking middle of the belly whale. And Dory's just, like, having fun. She's like... Hey, whale, where are we going? And starts, she goes, I can speak whale. And, and then Dory's, or uh, Nemo's dad is just like, What the fuck are you doing? No, you can't. You can't fucking speak whale. And then she's like, I'm doing it. And um, then the whale like starts talking with Dory. And then what happens is they're inside of the whale's mouth, and then the water level starts going down and down and down. And Nemo's dad is freaked the fuck out because he's like, oh shit, the whale's about to swallow us. The whale's about to swallow us. And then the whale um, starts telling Dory, he's like, all right, you guys need to go back. You guys need to go to the back of my throat. And then um, Dory's like, okay, let me go back there. And then Nemo's dad's like, what the 
fuck are you doing? He's just doing that so he can eat us. And then what happens is he lifts up his tongue, and then um, uh, Nemo's dad and Dory, they're like hanging on, just like barely to the, the little ridges in the whale's tongue. And then Dory's like, just like laughing the entire time, and she's like talking to the whale. And then the whale says, yeah, it's time to let, let go. So then Dory just lets go right away, and then Nemo's dad reaches out with his little fi- flipper and then grabs Dory and's like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, how do you know that, like, nothing bad's going to happen? And then Dory looks at him and she goes, I don't. And then she just lets herself drop all the way into the back of the throat, and then the Nemo's dad, he follows suit too. So he lets go. And then what happens is um, he he's pretty sure he's going to die. But then what happens is the whale shoots them up out of the blowhole. And then they shoot up on top of the thing and then they pop out. And then they're free. And they're like back in the ocean. Not only are they in the ocean, but they're in this place. That they're, they're basically, uh, I think they're like by Australia or Sydney or something. I don't know. But they're basically at the place where they need to be in order for him to rescue his uh his son Nemo. So why the hell are we talking about finding Nemo right now? The reason that we have to like lose everything, um, like all of our identities fade away, like our abilities fade away, our accomplishments, no one gives a shit. Like the reason all of that stuff goes away is because it's like our higher self is forcing us to go back inside and reconstruct this relationship. It's basically basically saying, hey, you've gotten way too caught up in like making sure you have the puffy jacket or making sure you have the right shoes to where we're no longer going to let you get validation, i.e. derive your self-worth, or just we're not going to let that dynamic exist anymore for you. And like one of the only ways that it can get you to look at all those things is by putting you in the dark night of the soul, a.k.a. going into the belly of the whale. So Nemo's dad, he has to be faced with, like, you know, he's on the the whale's tongue and he's about to let go, and Dory's just like, yeah, sure, whatever, fuck it. And Nemo's dad is freaking out because when Nemo's dad finally decides to, like, let go and trust that he's carried, like, it had to be that serious and that intense for him just because of how tight his personality was. Like, he had to he had to face that much so that when he let go, he would be forever changed. And that's what the dark night of the soul is doing for us. So inside of uh, inside us, like we both have, you know, that one part of ourselves is just like Dory, and the other part of us is just like Nemo's dad. And like it has to be it has to be this scary. Well, it doesn't have to be that scary, but that's like, we have to have that realization. That's like why the dark night of the soul is happening, so that we can not just get to the point, yeah, I mean, I guess it is about like letting go, but it's it's about seeing that like all of the uncertainty and the higher self and all the things, it's there literally in your service, not to screw you over, not to beat you up not for life to be a struggle, it's totally there just to help you see ways that you can um, 
that, that we can like have our self-worth from a much, much deeper place. So what our higher self is trying to orchestrate for us is a moment where it's taken away every other external source of validation that we've ever had in our life, where the only choice for us to make is for us to let go and trust in ourselves. And that's why it's so scary. But when we do that, like no matter how painful it is, when we do that, we, we kind of like pull in our self-worth from everywhere else, everywhere else where we've placed it, where we, whether we've had like some teacher that we go, oh my gosh, since I know this teacher, that's why I'm special because this teacher taught me everything that they know. Or whether we are placing our self-worth on our accomplishments and we go, oh, well, there's all these accomplishments and that's the reason why I'm special. The dark night of the soul takes away all of those distractions so that, and it kind of, sets it up for us so that we get into this little moment where we have to let go and the only thing that we can hold on to is ourselves and then when we make it out of that thing all right we get to the other side and we go wow um i guess i'm pretty fucking cool and i guess i'm kind of the source of my worth like i'm the person that i could count on i'm the thing that i could rely on and when we hit that point, our energy completely changes. So when Jenny was asking me, like, Zach, how did you do that? And how did you, how did you get that? How did you purify, basically? Um, well, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I just kind of followed my intuition. And then it led me to this. It's not like I chose this. No one, like, would ever choose to experience that. I mean, I guess someone might, but... To me, it was like my higher self way of saying like, hey, Zach, you've been chosen and you're about to purify a shit ton. And that's what Jenny was attracted to when she was talking about me and Jolie Dawn. It's that. And it's it's the best phrase to sum this up is game recognize game. And for anyone that may not know that reference... Um, I pulled up UrbanDictionary.com, and to have game, oh no, not that one. Oh yeah, okay. It's an esoteric catchphrase of the urban male pimp, playa, rapper, or wannabe that carries the weighty implication that only someone who has their game tight can have the appropriate respect and admiration for someone else's doubtlessly tight game. So once our worth is has been pulled back in from all those other places that we stored it and it's back to our self so it's self-worth not other people's worth that we point to and say look at my self-worth out there no it's like once it's inside of us and it's our own self-worth then we don't care we don't care about winning we don't care about losing we don't care about competing with other people we just don't care about any of that stuff and then, anything that we do, we do it because it's our joy, it's because it's our therapy, it's because it's our happiness, it's because we are in a flow state when we do it. And then, when we post pictures of ourselves doing that on Instagram, people are like, oh my gosh, I need to start 
doing a podcast like Zach, or I need to start uh, traveling around the world like this person, or I need to start a group coaching program all about money like Joe Lee Don. No, you don't. You, it's just you see that you see that um, that they've all kind of gone through this this journey, and that's what I think our souls are like yearning for is to go through that because when you come out of that on the other side it's just like it's it's incredible but at the same time you don't care about anything anymore so it's like it's this weird thing where you're actually like kind of detached from 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 everything so anyway this might be a little confusing so here's just a conversation that i had with camille over dinner where we were talking about this and i think you it might be better your belief, I remembered it, <laughs> is that uh, it's like therapy. It's your therapy. It's your... It's my greatest love. Yeah. Besides you. It's a close, close call, I know. <laughs> it's fun. I'm alright with thinking being a little bit ahead, just barely. <laughs> but yeah. So it has to get to the point where it feels like therapy for me to do the podcast. Kind of like right now. So, that's kind of cool. That is cool. So... And then, what will happen when it feels like therapy? Everything will come in. All the gifts will shower you. <laughs> but you won't even care because you'll just be doing it because it's amazing. Yeah. Seriously. That's what it feels like. Badass. Um... I think I'm going to get featured on your show a lot more. I think you are. <laughs> I just want Camille. everyone to know Camille. that I'm really sexy and wonderful. Oh my God. And if this bit goes in, you should just know that I'm a genius. <laughs> She's had one glass of wine. <laughs> Literally one. Like I'm just like, yeah, I'm high on life. Uh, yeah. Okay. That feels good. Well, no, no, wait. There's one yeah, more. Yeah, so what's the lesson? And... As she you... reaches for the wine bottle. <laughs> the lesson for me is... Like, it has to feel... It has to feel like therapy for me. Like, the podcast has to inherently be fun. And if I try to think about, oh, no... Am I doing it right? Am I an imposter? Am I making accurate predictions or inaccurate predictions? That's going to fuck everything up. And then it's not going to be fun to listen to, and I'm going to hate doing it. So, like, I have to make this idea of being an imposter, like, e- completely irrelevant. Like, yeah. Like, Key and Peel. Did you ever see their videos? No. Like, they're just doing comedy sketches, and they're just having fun. Right. Like, there is no... They're not, like, really serious going, like, we need to buckle down and be humorous. Like... Yeah. They're just, like... They're just themselves. around, and it's fun, and then they're just hitting record. And that's the kind of energy that I think I really want in the podcast. Yeah. Okay, so it's about learning to just enjoy the whole experience of the podcast and... By doing that, you can just totally eradicate imposter syndrome because it's not about you being an expert. It's about me having fun. It's about you just 
doing your creative thing and then people listening to it. Oh my god, you're turning into an artist. So kind excited. Of. Yeah, you're totally an artist. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. So this is basically my response to Jenny's last question of, are you doing this to inspire people? And I'm not really doing that. Basically what I've done is I've removed my self-worth from the equation of should I start something or not. Um, I saw this great cartoon on, um, on Instagram earlier today, and it was a picture, it was like a split-screen picture, and on one side of the picture it had this like stick figure who was looking all sad and dejected, and it says, the caption reads, nobody gives a shit. And he's got his like shoulders hunched over and like looking depressed. And then on the other side of the same picture, it's him jumping up and down. He's like got this bright like yellow energy shooting from behind him. He's like jumping up and down. He's got this smile on his face. And he's like, nobody gives a shit. And I think that's just like the perfect image to end today's podcast on. Where whether the podcast gets even more successful or not, like at this point, what I'm aiming for is for each episode to feel like therapy, for it to be fun, for it to be an artistic en endeavor, where self worth doesn't even come into the, doesn't even come into the picture. Um, it's just kind of me playing, and coming up with random stuff and having fun, and bringing you along for the ride. And I mean, hoping that you like it, but not needing to do it so that I can. Ex so that I can get uh, inspiration for you, so that I can change some person's life and have proof outside of me again that this has been a worthwhile thing. It's like inherently a worthwhile thing. It's just fun. So for a closing thought, I wanted to share this last synchronicity that came in. I was reflecting on this lesson and just embracing the idea that, hey, it's just about the play, it's just about the fun, and you shouldn't be attached to the result or anything. And then I was like, wow, okay, that's why we talked about self-worth. And I, it just like finally sank in for me. And then I still wanted to know like how my stats were doing on the podcast. And then I went over and I looked at the results, and... At the moment that I felt that, that was the first time I saw the big spike in um, plays. So, hope you enjoyed today's talk. And next time we'll have a, we're probably going to have a psychic on who has gifts that are a little bit different than the last one. And we might even do a live reading. So hopefully there's not anything too embarrassing that comes up, but whatever. I'm willing to share it. And... I think it'll be a cool way to uh, look at what that process looks like if you've never done it or you're curious about um, other ways of figuring out what's going on. Um, last thing is thank you so much for all the reviews. Please keep them coming. It helps so much, like all of the word of mouth and all of you guys sharing it. Like It means, it means a ton to me. I'm not deriving my self-worth from it, but I really sincerely appreciate it. So thank you so much for all that. And I'll see you guys next time. Later. 
And one more closing thought for today. I wanted to share this last synchronicity that just came in. So the other day I was over at my mom's house and I was, uh, she was just asking me how I was doing and how everything's going. And she's pretty excited about the podcast. And one of my like oldest telltale ways that I would try to like, you know, get validation you know, derive my self-worth from somewhere outside of myself is I would just advertise to my parents and be like, oh, look at how well I'm doing in my business. And I would always just like brag about whatever the latest accomplishment was. So when I'm doing the podcast, um, I started talking about it and I was excited and I was just like, yeah, yeah. And I'm doing the podcast. And then she's like, oh, that's so cool. And I could feel that moment in the conversation where normally I would, like, have some impressive statistic about my life that I could broadcast to her and just be like, check it out. And it's funny, I didn't have that. And I was like, wow, I'm just really happy for the fact that I'm doing it. And this lesson of um, removing self-worth from the equation, it just, like, sank in for me. And then I got it, and I was like, wow. This is just about play. This is just about having fun. And the process is already inherently rewarding and completely removed from my identity. Like that's in one place and then the podcast is in another place. I was like, wow, this is really cool. I've never felt this before. So then I just kind of got it. And then you know how you like instinctively go and uh, check Facebook or something? Well, I've, I've definitely been doing that with um, the podcast statistics. And I had one of those, like, automatic, let me just click on the app and just see. And that was when I saw the huge spike in the number of uh, plays, which was kind of interesting as far as the timing goes. So that's it for this time. Uh, next time, we're probably going to have a psychic on who's a little different than the first one. Um, we're going to talk about some of the lessons that she helped me see and how I've already been applying them and what I've been learning through that process, as well as we might do a live reading. So hopefully she doesn't reveal anything too embarrassing about me, but whatever. Got to put it out there. And uh, last thing is thank you so much for all the shares i mean this podcast is growing basically off word of mouth and i don't know i think divine intervention so for all the word of mouth all the sharing that you're doing all the ratings all the reviews that you're writing thank you so much i really really appreciate it i will not derive my self-worth from it i promise but i still appreciate you for doing so and um yeah just remember like always you don't have to watch out when you look within later So a mother deer and her baby are walking through the forest, and in the middle of the forest, they notice this big red deer statue and a white deer statue 
and just smack dab in the middle of the forest. So the baby looks up at his mom and says, what's the deal with these statues? And the mom says, I want to tell you the story of your birth. Intro and outro music by The Passion Hi-Fi.